Indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like why is lemon juice made from artificial flavourings, yet dishwashing liquid is made with real lemons? And if Barbie is so popular, why do you have to buy her friends? My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea, with tonight's guest somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. And we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris... She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has spent all week throwing cats out of her car window to see if she can make kitty litter. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hello, hello. How many cats were injured in the making of that joke? (sighs) Not enough. Too many. <laughs> Fabulous. We shall now move <laughs> swiftly on. That's you shall terrible. have minus two points. Why? <laughs> we also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim has wondered all week how a fool and his money ever got together in the first place. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hello. Finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC (laughs) outside broadcast department. He is also our producer and sound mixer. Greg has spent all week thinking that Little Red Riding Hood was a Russian contraceptive. Welcome to the show, Greg. Hello. 
What a fabulous CV. This is show 21. Do you know, that means we're legal now. If we reach 21, that means we can do many more things, doesn't it? Surely. I just wanted to mention, we have a Facebook site. It's called More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee. We have broken the 4,000 barrier. So if you wish to join us on there, you're more than welcome to do so. But we have 4,000 followers. All of the stories from tonight will be on there and many more that we haven't got the time to introduce. If If you wish to look at that website, there's lots of stories on there, lots of information, things that we can't show, video footage from tonight's stories. <laughs> yes, we're not videoing ourselves, but there is video footage on there. Wow, cheeky wow. Yeah, for legal reasons, we can't include that. Why is Greg's face digitised? That's outrageous. <laughs> but if you wish to go to that, it is available for you to see. One of the things I want to do very quickly is uh, give a shout out to some of our listeners. We have regular listeners, and I haven't done this before. But we have a team of people that listen to the show. They comment. They're regularly on our Facebook site. So I just want to give a quick shout to Charlotte Cook, Kathy Blixford, Phyllis Livera, Lorna Hunter, Gina Calabria, Sherry Raymond, Trevor Wozni, and Teresa Warburg. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your continued support. Oh, a round of applause. Wow. And Greg's got his hands in his pockets. So that's very impressive. As you may know, the World Cup, well, as you probably don't know, actually, the Soccer World Cup is taking place. And uh, I thought I'd introduce a round that we've not had for some time now. If you recall, back in our early days, when we were gathered around a kitchen table with a flashlight and one microphone, we'd had a round called Pancetta the Psychic Pig. It was called Am I Psychic? And on the basis of the fact that none of us decided we were psychic, we uh, kicked that round out. But I'm going to introduce it. The Soccer World Cup is upon us. And I thought it would be fun because in three or four weeks' time, we will find out who the winner of that World Cup is. So what I want to do is go around the table. There are points at stake. You're going to have to wait three or four weeks for them to uh, appear, of course. But points are at stake. So I just want to quickly go around the room. You can play this at home as well. If you're psychic, tune in. Think of a country. Who's going to win the World Cup? The Soccer World Cup, Heather. I know this is uh, the tip of your tongue. and Belgium. Your... Belgium. Wow. Okay, little Belgium. You've gone with Belgium. Yes. Kim. Portugal. You're going... And, and may I ask why you're going with Portugal? I don't remember his name. Ramundo or something like that. They, they, He's awesome. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> this is the guy that takes his shirt off before the balls hit the back of the net and he's in the crowd flexing his muscles. Did I say his name his right? His name is Ronaldo, but Ronaldo. Uh, I can think of other names for him if we uh, wish to think long and he's hard. He's nice. He's very nice. Okay. Well, a one-man team. So you're going for Portugal yes. on the back of the fact that they have a uh, good-looking, in your opinion. I just um, want to watch them, yeah. Fair enough. Well, let's hope he scores for you then on a regular basis. Greg, you're going to need to pick a country for me for this year's World Cup. How about Argentina? Oh, Greg's going with Argentina. I'm going to go with Brazil, which uh, they are the favourites. I'm aware of that. Pancetta the psychic pig. who That's cheating. How is it cheating? Yeah, they're the favourites. Well, not necessarily do the favourites ever win, unfortunately. But uh, I think they stand a good enough chance. I'm going to go with Pancetta the psychic pig now. Oh, that said Holland. So we're going to go. <laughs> Did you write all these down? I don't need to. We're recording it. <laughs> I also want to mention a couple of days ago on Facebook, I did post that there will be some free distant Reiki healing going to the person who can tell me by the end of the show how many times we ring the inappropriate bell. So as we speak on Facebook, there are followers of the show putting numbers together on Facebook. Whoever gets closest to the number of rings of the inappropriate bell on tonight's show 
will get some free distant healing. I guess this requires somebody to actually write down the number of times I do, in fact, ring the inappropriate bell, I guess. And are, you have to judge, is it, you know, like if you're ringing it for me, you ring it five times in a row. Is that one instance or is it five rings? Well, if you look at the small print, I think we're going to go with that's one. Okay. And, and even if you tell a joke, that's still going to be one. It's instance. <laughs> my finger, every time my finger leaves the bell, you see, because if I'm doing, my finger stays on the bell. You see what's happened there? It had to leave. No, it didn't. I, I just watched released, it. I let the pressure go a little bit. <laughs> I heard you leave the pressure go. I'm slightly <laughs> worried that you've been watching me ring my bell that closely, to be honest. <laughs> but the night is still young, ladies and gentlemen. We will rush into our first round, which is Ghosts and Hauntings as Heather. So we shall take note of the number of times the inappropriate bell will be rang during tonight's show. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Warlock warns of magical war at the World Cup. Oh, very topical. I know. Antonio Vasquez moves to protect the Mexican team from rival sorcerers and predicts widespread disturbances in Brazil. Mexico's self-proclaimed grand warlock has predicted host Brazil will win the World Cup and that violent protests will continue during the month-long event. That's hardly a prediction, is it? Because there's been protests for the last couple of years on the back of Brazil. By warlocks? Uh, not necessarily by warlocks, <laughs> okay. but he's predicting, isn't he, that just the general populace will cause a problem rise up? No. I'm slightly concerned that my predictions are the same as a Mexican warlock. I mean, who knew I had so much in common? You read my story, didn't you? No, I didn't. I just like fajitas and enchiladas <laughs> and I just, you know. And I like Chicorito. Yes, he does play up front for Mexico. Your knowledge of the Mexican national team is slightly worrying, to be honest. Antonio Vasquez also claimed that the World Cup would not only be the battle between football teams, but a magical war between sorcerers trying to influence the results. Mexico's first game is against Cameroon at the 45,000-seat arena in Natal on June 13th, the day after the competition kicks off. It's evident that in addition to a football war, there will be a magical war quotes Mr. Vasquez. Imagine that on June 13th, which is St. Anthony's Day, that we have all the advantages to win against Cameroon. 3,000 warlocks that have paid to be there at the stadium. So we always need to counterbalance this situation. He added, Brazil is going to win and all things have been made so it can be that way. I'm going to tell you something now. Watch out for the social disturbances that will take place in Brazil. They will be strong. There are social disturbances in Brazil ongoing due to this World Cup. But because of warlocks? Is he saying that 3,000 warlocks have actually paid to be there? That's what he says. That's a lot. That is a lot of warlocks. And they're <laughs> going to cause a disturbance. And these are Mexican, are they? So you've got uh, Mexican yes. warlocks going up against witch doctors With in Cameroon. With a grand warlock. Maybe they'll yeah. do a flash dance. Wow. Oh, a flash mob? A flash, flash mob, mob of warlocks. I wonder if they have to leave their brooms outside the stadium. I, this is outrageous. Isn't that great? I'm looking forward now to seeing the result. I had no interest, I have to say, putting my hand up in the result of Mexico-Cameroon. You know, it's... Uh, now you do. Now I'm you? quite interested in watching, to be honest. We shall see how that pans out and our results will be posted on this show when that happens. There you go. Very interesting indeed. I have a story here called Horny Psychic has steamy sex with ghost who is 250 years old wow. well they say experience is everything right kinky adrienne blackwell 34 claims what to was go- her name adrienne 
Yes, it sounds, it sounds a bit similar to my name, doesn't it? You're welcome. Thank you for pointing that out. Kinky Adrienne Blackwell, 34, claims to go for half an hour at a time with Beta, a Native American chief who was alive in the 19th century. Wow, half an hour. That's twice with a cigarette break, right, Greg? <laughs> One. You're waiting for a no, aren't you? <laughs> um, according to her, the experience leaves her so much more satisfied than doing the deed with the living. I always wondered what old age creeping over me felt like. She described what? having sex with Hunky Beater as being out of this world. She said it's like being on another planet, something much more than anything humanly possible. My first experience was not scary, just strange. Sound familiar, Greg? Yeah. <laughs> Two. <laughs> it felt new, but at the same time, something felt very old, as if I'd done it before. Oh, Rohypno. I remember Beta getting into bed and holding me, but when I looked up, no one was there. Then I felt him get on top of me, like a warm blanket covering me from head to toe. It was like having sex with our whole bodies. No part of my body was left untouched. Adrienne, a sex psychic from Hawaii, USA, is known as the sexist after a decade of ghost romping. She says that spectrophilia is the art of having sex with a spirit and is not that uncommon. She said that some clients are scared to talk about it in case they are mocked. According to her psychic powers, Adrienne and Beta were said to be husband and wife back in the 1800s, but it was not meant to be for the couple who ended their 12-month relationship. Adrienne says she is now looking for a human relationship and is hoping she can make Beta a thing of the past. Well, surely things can only get Beta. <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of hauntings and ghosts and all things ghoulish? There are about 15,000 real-life vampires in Britain, academic claims. 15,000? Yes. Wow, that's a lot of blood to drink, isn't it? I wonder how that compares to other countries. I don't know. Well, wow, that sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's outrageous. <laughs> You can't get, no. that's not going to go by without a bell, I'm sorry. <laughs> How did they do this survey? Tell me more. Uh, psychology lecturer Dr. Emer Williams claims, unknown to many, Britain is now home to about 15,000 real-life vampires who look like, who like to get together every once in a while and drink the blood of folks who have no trouble with being turned into human kegs. Dr. Emer Williams explains that although they might not sparkle when out in the sunlight or have perfect hair... These vampires have some very precise rules that they must abide by and that govern their behavior, kind wonder, of like a constitution. How hard would you have to suck to get a pint out? <laughs> when, when it was... Um, well, let's ask you that. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're on seven already and we haven't got past the first round. Where's it's your tap? It's worth, it's, <laughs> it's worth noting that when Kim said the word keg, Greg lifted up his shirt and slapped his belly. <laughs> so he hasn't he hasn't got a, a six pack. He's got a keg, is what we're suggesting there. Wow! There we go. Sound effects. You can put your shirt back on now, Greg. Is there more? Yes, there is. Okay. What's more, it turns out that not all real life vampires are the same or have the same dietary preferences. On the contrary, there are sanguine vampires who feast on blood, and mm -hmm. psychic vampires who suck on people's energy. 
Oh, I know a few of those. <laughs> yes. Vampires are a group of people who drink blood, but their well-established laws mean they know who can and can't be taken from. For example, sanguine vampires receive blood from willing donors who they can only cut on certain parts of the body, and they are forbidden from taking too much. There are also psychic and hybrid vampires, blood donors, role players, and enthusiasts who are part of the community. Who knew such things? Dr. Emer Williams is now looking to learn more about this culture by means of an online questionnaire that he has pieced together. He argues that real-life vampires are nothing short of fascinating and that there is no reason one should not try to get to know them better. I like the idea that you could have like a crystal light shaker, you know, just add water makes up to 24 pints. That's a fabulous story. I think we shall have points all round. I've been very amiss, actually. Kim, you shall have three. I shall have three as well. Heather, your story deserved a three. So there is parity. We're going to start the World Cup here with a very boring tie all round. Although I have a story that may give me a few more points, actually. It's back to the theme of having uh, sex with ghosts. Seems to be the theme that keeps cropping up this week. It says, who are you going to shag? Which I think is a joke about Ghostbusters. Um, it says, ghost sex craze gets people in the spirit of paranormal bedroom activity. The latest sex craze will have you crossing over to the other side of the bed. Spectrophilia or ghost sex is a fetish classified as the paraphilia in which a person experiences a physical attraction to ghosts or spirits. And apparently it's a growing trend. Increasing numbers of spectrophiliacs are reported visualising sexual experiences with saucy spirits. Actress Natasha Blazik caused quite the stir amongst professionals recently when she made the controversial claim that she had had sex with a ghost on multiple occasions, swearing that the experiences were really, really pleasurable. I've had girlfriends that I've had to put sheets over first. Does that count? <laughs> um, she said it was fun. I think ever since I was a child, I've always wanted to know if there was any kind of uh, realisation to this world she said I wanted to know more I was always asking the question and I think this made me feel kind of reassured that there is something more than what we see with the naked eye it gave me comfort support and love but the paranormal activity two star isn't the first person of her peers to report antics in the spirit world singer Keisha reported her naughty nookie with an incubus last year claiming the romp inspired the track Supernatural which was a hit for the star. Keisha believed her experiences were an opportunity to engage with the supernatural in a sexy way and assured fans that she was very open to such experiences. However, despite these celebrity beliefs, they take comfort from their experiences. Such claims have sparked scepticism from the experts in the metaphysical and paranormal world. What a fabulous first round. Ghosts, sex, hauntings, vampires, what more could you possibly want heather you're looking at me in a very strange and mystical way yes you marked down a point for the ringing of the bell when there was no ringing that was one i failed to do in the last round and thought that while i had a spare moment i'd mark it <laughs> but thank you for checking <laughs> on my bell ringing i thought you were giving yourself scores. points <laughs> oh so i now see where your concern is well, in fact, I thank you for reminding me. I shall give myself two. I am now on five. That was very, very kind of you. We move into the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. Heather, you can start for me in this round tonight. And all to play for, of course. What have you got for me? Swimmer attacked by squirrel at Torquay Riviera Center Pool. So this is a cryptozoological squirrel? Yes. With skills of being able Hairy to... Hairy beasties. Hairy beasties. There you go. In a swimming pool? Yes. 
The squirrel sparked panic today after it dashed into a busy leisure center before leaping in the pool and biting a swimmer on the finger. He's lucky it wasn't after his nuts. It was there. You'd be disappointed if I didn't say... Everyone was thinking it. There's not a single person listening to this radio show at this minute who didn't think that. And if you're one of the people that didn't, you need to write in. There must be a prize available somewhere. The rodent ran inside the Riviera Center in Torquay, Devon, before heading towards the pool area. When lifeguards tried to coax him out, the creature leapt into the water and paddled around the deep end for several minutes. What was it doing? It was swimming. Backstroke. (laughs) A swimmer tried to fish the squirrel out of the water, but was bitten on the finger before the animal scampered off through a fire exit. Jackie Lovett, swimming instructor at the Waves Leisure Pool, said, I came to do a lesson and was told by lifeguards that there was a squirrel on top of the wave chamber. The squirrel then decided to run out. One of the lifeguards tried to chase it out and it went into the curtain. Then it jumped into the swimming pool. It was doing a few strokes, going under the water and then coming up for air. It looked like a drowned rat. Oh, well, they're in the same family, of course, aren't they? They're cuter. Do you think so? I love squirrels. <laughs> well, it tastes like chicken, doesn't it? What What was it again? What was what? What was swimming in the water? A squirrel. Oh, I see what we're doing here. A squirrel. <laughs> I know I make the mistake every time of pronouncing yeah, all whatever. the letters in my words, but uh, yeah. a squirrel. Yes. It was a squirrel. Yes. Are we done now? Would you like me to say it again? A, a squirrel? <laughs> squirrel. A squirrel. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, racism in the workplace. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Cebu City Zoo in the Philippines offering python massages. You have to give the python a massage or the python massages you? Python massages you. Oh, but he's got no hands. That's impossible. <laughs> Uh, Cebu City, Philippines, May 27th. A zoo in the Philippines has started offering visitors the chance to receive a relaxing 15-minute massage from its four Burmese pythons that it currently has in captivity. See, the key word in that sentence for me is relaxing. I I don't know the idea of having a python. Greg, have you ever oiled up a snake? Is that something you've done? No, I haven't done that. Okay. Um, Not a python. (laughs) Wow. We'll find out later, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, I don't, I don't see that as relaxing. I'm, I, I, I understand that. that you can be, you know, perhaps massaged by a snake. I mean, these things can talk, don't they? And they twist around. And I don't know what's stopping you from being its dinner at any given point. Well, they talk about some of the rules. Oh, there's rules. Well, I'm glad you can yes. sit down with a snake and discuss reasonably the rules. That makes me feel a whole lot better. Um, the zoo's pythons, Michelle, Walter, EJ, and Daniel are supposedly fed 10 or more chickens before giving out oh. the massages so they won't be tempted to snack on the guests. And during the therapeutic and calming massages, zookeepers keep watch as the snakes slither back and forth across a bamboo bed. Is it slightly bizarre that when you read those names out, I thought to myself, I want a female snake? <laughs> Did anyone else think that or was that just me? No, Michelle, just that was just me, was it? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you actually get them all. Wow! (laughs) You do. Once the snakes are put on, it's virtually impossible to escape because they weigh about 550 pounds combined. Oh, man. Here's here's a quote from somebody who had the massage. Uh, (laughs) Is that with two A's or one A? I had to lie on my back on a bamboo daybed in the open air. I was briefed on what to do and what not to do during the massage. These instructions are crucial, as you can imagine. They tell you not to blow air on the snake because this is like being pinched on the bum. Apparently. 
No blowing. You okay. can't shout for help as the snake can feel your vibration and thinks they're, that you're prey or a predator, depending upon the environment. So basically, you've got to sit there all tense, not being able to move. That's a really relaxing atmosphere for a massage, isn't yep. it? Yep. Surely you'd be better off picking an animal that has lots of arms and legs. Maybe the relaxing part is when the massage is done. <laughs> they give you lots of stress and then relieve that stress yes. at the end by removing the python. If anyone wants a python massage, then uh, Greg's email address is available. <laughs> wow. I'm going to jump now. We have a, a, a video footage here. It says UFO attacks Taliban camp. Viral video attracts skeptics. An unidentified flying object, UFO, was reportedly attacked a Taliban camp. U.S. Marines captured in video the incident dated March 2014 and posted it on YouTube in May and June. The video is now viral, attracting more than 49,000 viewers to date. While the video mostly attracted UFO skeptics, there were those who were quick to use sarcasm. One viewer wrote, U.S. military controlled UFO attacking Taliban camp, alluding to the rumoured U.S. military drones deployed to kill terrorists. The video lasts 1 minute and 35 seconds and shows a triangular flying object as it attacks a Taliban camp based in Afghanistan. The opening shot featured the grey triangular flying object hovering above the city of Asadabad. NATO crews on armoured vehicles watched the UFO as it suddenly flashed lights coming from the undersides. The lights apparently were the manifestations that the flying object was targeting the camp. What followed were explosions as big smoke-shaped like mushrooms came into the air. While skeptics were quick to reject the video, one skeptic in Kalundra had a change of heart on the UFOs. On April 21st, a commercial pilot from Kalundra witnessed a mysterious light hovering behind him. He described it as being similar to the Chinese lanterns floating high in the sky towards the southern part, then turned down towards the eastern section. If they're similar to Chinese lanterns, then surely that's Japanese lanterns, isn't it? There must be a similarity there. We are looking for an identifier, a beacon or strobe light, but there wasn't any. I thought it had the characteristics of an object that could fly, and I was curious as to what the lights were. At first, he did not think it was a UFO, but after downloading the picture he took of the flying object, he was surprised as it showed an outline of an aircraft's body. After these experiences, he now considers that there could be something else out there. And that brings to the end our round of UFOs. Green men and mysterious beasties. We shall look at the scores. I have a resplendent five. Kim is on six, and Heather is also on six. Grim, grim. Again? <laughs> grim and keg. Grim and keg. Grim. <laughs> Where's your name tag, Greg? <laughs> He's making one up as we speak. Grim <laughs> is also on a rounded three. Three is not round. <laughs> there we go. Greg's got a bit of paper. It's a post-it note. That's not a very nice drawing. <laughs> wow. There we go. Oh, it's on his desk now. There we go. I'll have to put a title under that. That doesn't mean you get a pay increase. You know that. <laughs> For more informative madness, be sure to stay tuned after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot crop circles and ghosts. Comes with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why, and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, LAPIG.com. 
www.ghostbusters.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours and end is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network MUFON meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. If you believe that your business or product would benefit from being mentioned live on air across the nation and the globe to a target audience of morbidly fascinated and strangely interested listeners, I would love to hear from you. You are listening to a cold, culture-shocked Brit living in Minnesota, working outside of the normal framework of society by delivering the week's paranormal news. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I am probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania, for introducing the world to dirty hobo water and sometimes the annoying inability to say abominable snowman live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been and what could have been more important? If you have stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all the way around the bedroom. I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has thankfully now stopped snoring from the room next door. So onwards we march, we move into the round that we call Strange and Bizarre with all to play for. Kim, would you like to start me off in this particular round of the Strange and the Bizarre? You've got a smile on your face there, what have you got for me? I have a tortoise that ran away from home. They're, they're nifty little buggers, I tell you. I used to have a tortoise as a kid. They enough get a lick of speed up when the weather, you know, gets good and the sun comes out. I want the farmer over there to do the math for me. I thought you was going to ask the farmer <laughs> to do the noise. What does a tortoise sound like? I don't know. Old MacDonald had a farm. And on that farm he had a tortoise with a... <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with it? Leave that tortoise alone, madam. If a tortoise goes half an hour and it ta- or half a mile and it takes them two hours to do it... What's the miles per hour? He does what? It's <laughs> <laughs> a half a mile and It's a tortoise, Greg. Yes. That's like a quarter of a mile an hour? That's still a feral lick of speed for oh. a tortoise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a mathematician in the room. One eighth? <laughs> One eighth. That's what I was going to say. You shouldn't spring these strange oh, math surprises onto us. You know, I'm half asleep. I thought it would be fun to do that. Do you know, there's three types of people in this world. Ones that can do maths and one that can't. Oh. Do continue. Oh, there we go. My first ever pet was a tortoise. My parents took me into the pet shop. I don't know if this gives you an understanding of my childhood and what I was like as a little boy. But my parents took me into the pet shop, said anything I could want. And I came out half an hour later with a cardboard box and a tortoise under my arm. His name was Freddy. And he hibernated for six months of the year, which meant I had a new pet after six months. And uh, it was six months I didn't have to clear it up. So uh, I was very happy with that pet. It was a very good decision all round. Unfortunately, we had a very cold winter one year and uh, Freddie never made it. 
But that's why you have pets as a child, isn't it? To get you beyond that sense of loss. Introduce the idea of loss. No, you're looking at me in a sad way. Poor little Freddy. Yes, I'm very sad. And one day I shall dig him up and polish his shell and uh, we should be right with the world. <laughs> so this is a, a particularly fast tortoise. It depends how fast you kick it, doesn't it? Or how far? What if you sellotaped it to a skateboard? We could do skateboard tortoise races and we can get some gaffer tape and a skateboard, push him down a hill, see who wins. I think. You're terrible. <laughs> <I'm> so- <laughs> thank you uh this tortoise's name is spike and it's from rio rancho new mexico Uh, i got out because the the gate in the yard was left open but the tortoise weighed 80 pounds wow how large was your tortoise (laughs) how large was my tortoise and did it ever come out of the shell only when you stroked it (laughs) under the chin (sighs) um it wasn't it wasn't a large tortoise i mean it was the size of a meat pie in fact, my myopic mother made a really bad accident once with a microwave and a meat pie on my tortoise, but we shall move on. That was a very sad incident. Wow. Yes, it was. Imagine a meat pie. Imagine a pot pie with legs. That was my tortoise. Is that it? Are you done? That's there's it. there's yes. nothing else? Yes, that's Who it. leaves the gate did, open? Well, she did get the tortoise back. Oh, so it has a happy ending. Yes. Was it called Michelle? Because you put it... No. <laughs> that's twice. That was the name of the python. I do think, I mean, you're asking for trouble if you leave the gate open, aren't you, firstly? There should be a sign saying, beware of the tortoise. I just laugh at the fact that the tortoise outran them. (laughs) (laughs) Whereabouts in Mexico was this? Perhaps it was during a siesta. Rio Rancho. (laughs) Wow. They were too busy uh, putting spells on Cameroon for the World Cup to notice how the tortoise was. When was the last time you saw the tortoise? It's off down the road, you know. It might have had caffeine, who knows? Could have been given a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. A chip of coffee. <laughs> a chip of coffee. There we go. Did it beat the hair? <laughs> we shall never know because it was in fact brought back. Oh. Yes. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Spanish woman gets bitten by snake while sitting on the toilet. Oh, for the love of Christ. Not Every an week. this time though. Do you know what? I didn't have a fear of going to the toilet until I started doing this show. And this then it was octopus. And... This wasn't even a phobia that I had. I mean, I have a list of phobias. You know, there's, I've got a fear of the floor. Um, I have a fear of uh, spiders. I don't have a fear of heights because it's not the height that kills you. It's the floor. So it's the floor that worries me. Um, spiders are another one. And, and now you've introduced a phobia that I didn't even know I had. And now every time I go to the toilet, I hover. In fact, it's getting to the point where I'm thinking of just going into the shower and pushing it down with a stick. Because I'm not going to sit there and hover thinking some invertebrate, mollusk, thing with teeth, poisoning animals. just going to Something come with up. suckers, like uh, the octopus. Well, if you get an octopus stuck to your ass, it's kind of there for life, isn't it? I mean, what, it's like walking around with a permanent cushion. Everywhere you sit down is nice and comfortable, isn't it? Even on the hardest surface. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, you've given me a phobia. I'm, I'm worried. Sorry. I have to look now. I, I look, B, I have to turn the light on. C, I hover. You know, these Does are all... it help if I tell you it's poisonous? Oh, well, you know, depends where it bites you, doesn't it, I guess? Bum. Oh, well, that's, that could, there are worse places, of course. You know your friends are at that point, don't you? <laughs> oh, well, so we can take away the pain, but keep the swelling. Wow. So where's this taking place? Nigeria, Cameroon, uh, Mexico. Spanish town. Spain, it's Spain. Okay. Yeah. Iris Castroverde... A 30-year-old hairdresser from a northern Spanish town was bitten last Sunday when a brightly colored snake slid out from under her toilet. It wasn't massage in her ass at the time, was it by any chance? No. Okay. Apparently, the poisonous reptile was living in the plumbing system of her block of flats. The Up mother where? Her <laughs> block of flats. 
doesn't mo- sound very nice. <laughs> no, I wonder if she said it was living in a plumbing system up a block of flats. I was worried for the woman. The mother of two said she heard a strange noise coming from the pipes. <laughs> the wow, well, we've all been there, haven't we? Uh, as she sat down on the loo. Uh-huh. Does that remind you of anything? <laughs> Every time of what? A strange noise. You sit down. Strange noises. Yeah. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I could hear something behind the wall and I was trying to work out. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) This poor woman. She's probably in treatment as we speak with two big fang marks in her arse cheek. (laughs) Um, She was trying to work out what it was because she hadn't heard that before. After everything happened really quickly, I became aware that there was something moving in the toilet bowl. (laughs) Well, that's never never seen good... something in the toilet bowl? Well, you need to chew your food more, I would suggest. Uh, why is there corn? Oh, it's a corn... <laughs> it was a corn snake. Oh, no, you did it. That counts as one, ladies and gentlemen. Then I heard a splash. <laughs> I don't remember eating that. And then intense pain in my backside. Just the facts, madam. <laughs> <laughs> It'll all be over in five minutes. When she stood up, the woman was shocked to see a bright yellow and green snake disappear down the drain she says it was about eight inches long and vanished with a flush <laughs> go on no, you know there's something I, brewing. my mom said me if i had nothing nice to say not to say anything at all the terrified woman grabbed two bottles of bleach and then put them down the toilet and as she was doing it she realized the snake was probably poisonous because her backside started to go numb <laughs> num 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 <laughs> No. <laughs> Iris immediately rushed to the hospital where dark, where doctors treated her with antivenom for the bite. And told her to turn the other cheek. What a fabulous, <laughs> fabulous story. You are now on nine resplendent points. Strange and bizarre. This is a very interesting story. It says, Deer crushes car after it fell from the sky. A suburban Chicago woman is grateful for her family. Is it is grateful that her family is safe. After a 200-pound deer leapt from an overpass, landing on a minivan as it travelled along a highway. Heidi Connor tells the Arlington Heights Daily Herald that the doe came to rest in the middle of the family's Chevy on Sunday. She and four children were travelling at about 70 miles an hour. She says the incident was bizarre, adding, nobody can believe this deer just fell from the sky. Do you see where we're going with this? Raining cats and dogs. Reindeer? (laughs) Reindeer. I was thinking of last week's show. Do you remember? No one was injured, by the way, and the deer only suffered minor injuries. Do you remember last week's episode when we were discussing the idea of UFOs sucking mammals and ruminants up into the sky and then randomly dropping them? It's actually happened. You know, surrealist, (laughs) this may sound. This is actually real life. I just can't. This deer is probably sucked up in a tractor beam because, you know, I mentioned the other day that UFOs, you know, must get bored with continually mutilating cows. They should go to the zoo. Go to the Serengeti Plains. There's animals all over the place, different types. You can bring up a giraffe, a hippopotamus, is it an <laughs> elephant. <laughs> Thank you for that, Greg. Wow. And uh, ultimately, you know, if that tractor beam fouls, you know, the deer falls from the sky, lands on the car. Other than that, I'm thinking the deer might have had suicidal tendencies. I don't know what suicide rates are like with deer. I mean, I'm just imagining for one moment that you know, if the deer gets turned down on Santa's sleigh and he's spent all year training himself up, there's going to be depression. So, you know, if these are kamikaze deer, and I don't know why the Japanese didn't use these during the Second World War, you could just put a bandana around it, said, tell it to sit in the corner, and uh, obviously it could do the business over in the Afghanistan. <laughs> it's where we're going. So my, my, my theory then is that, you know, suicidal 
Deers could be piloting aircraft and flying them into terrace as we speak. It seems like a waste to me. So um, ultimately, this is where we are. So I should give myself points. And uh, that ends our round on the strange. Do you think that was strange and bizarre? I don't think we quite nailed that, to be honest. Um, I've got one more story in the strange and bizarre round. I was going to give myself Strangely points. enough. Strangely enough. It says Lansing Prep School classroom filled with smoke in unusual fire. Firefighters were called to extinguish a fire, which was started by a crystal ball. If only they could have known that was going to happen. The crew from Hove Community Fire Station were called to Lansing Preparatory School in the Droveway Hove at about 7pm to deal with a classroom that had been filled with smoke. The fire had started by sunlight shining through a crystal ball, which was near a scarf, and the heat generated enough to burn the scarf. The firefighters were able to deal... Firefighters. Firefighters. That's a very rare talent. You should go to the circus and see that take place. <laughs> Hang on, I can barbecue your sausages. You stand there with the sticks and I'll bend over. Bit further back, bit further back. Um, do you like them well done or medium rare? The firefighters were able to deal with the blaze by fanning out the smoke. And although unusual, an officer attended the incident. You should see me like a barbecue on a Sunday afternoon. It is really quite impressive. Um, <laughs> wow, my eyebrows have gone. <laughs> attended the incident. It was not the first time that they had been called out to a scene like this. Apparently, if you have crystal balls out there, you need to make sure in the summer that they are away from the sun. Ever had a ball catch fire, Greg? No, I haven't. I'm sure that's something you would have remembered. The round of the strange and the bizarre. Oh, boy. We move on to the round that we call Not For Your Mother. This is because... The stories that we have should not be introduced or spoken about in front of your mother. Now we can be unleashed. Now we can be unleashed, especially if she is sensitive. Are there any minors in the room? Young children, people that are easily offended. It would be a good idea to shuffle them away, lock them in the toilet with a snake, tell them to do a massage with it, and all will be good when we finish the round. Heather, you can start for me. You are currently on nine points and you are in the lead, but there is Am still I? a chance <laughs> I'm winning. to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Hospital apologizes unreservedly after man given accidental vasectomy. What is. Oh, <laughs> Not much to say, have let's, you? <laughs> let's hope it's a slipknot. A hospital in Liverpool has admitted that its medical staff mistakenly gave a man a vasectomy instead of the minor procedure he had arrived for at the facility. Isn't this a case that you could tell the nurse what's going to happen if she mishears you? I'm, but what could the minor I don't procedure know. be? Well, it, I, it could be an ingrained toenail, I guess. Perhaps he just said to the nurse, remove his spectacles. I have no idea. Perhaps she misheard. <laughs> Breasticles. <laughs> Anything could happen. Hold your finger on the knot while I tie it. The unnamed patient had an appointment for a minor urological operation at the Royal Liverpool... Hang, hang, hang on, there's no such thing as a minor urological operation. If anyone's going down there with a knife and fork or any kinds of... A knife sauce, and fork? What, are you eating not, it? That's not a minor operation. Why, why would a fork be brought to surgery, first of all? Greg, why would a fork be brought to surgery? <laughs> I don't think it would be. No, okay. <laughs> it's for your wiener. <laughs> Just stand back over there and I'll give that a Fork rest. Fork maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, but the surgeon instead wrongly made the man sterile. Well, Sorry the, about that. They, that, that, is, that is reversible, I believe. Uh, it is not known whether an attempt by doctors to reverse the procedure was successful. Oh. 
Dr. Peter Williams. <laughs> Why is that funny? Yeah, Mr. Peter Williams. Yeah. Why is that funny? Dr. Peter Williams. <laughs> Never mind. Medical director of the trust said, we can confirm that a patient who was scheduled to have a minor surgery was wrongly given a vasectomy. We greatly regret the distress that it may have caused him. Hang on. When I had an operation on my knee, I had to write in a Sharpie my initials and my signature on my knee so the doctor knew to operate on the right knee. I, I'm just saying, is it? Is Did it, he use a Sharpie to write on his leg? stretch it out. Hang on. I'll put my middle name in that. I'm in date of birth as well. <laughs> I just... I mean, is it, I mean, I'm not saying you write your whole name, but a, a cross... You can at least put a cross, can't you? At least. You you really did that? Yes. Is that not? Oh, yeah. I never did that. Yeah, I, I dislocated my right knee in a soccer match and tore my ligaments and my cartilage. And as I was being prepped for the operation and I had my knees shaved and bromide and whatever else they put on it, the doctor <laughs> came around and said, I want to make sure it's the right knee. Could you sign it for me? And it me? was the left knee. <laughs> and I to, oh. So I had to sign my knee i'm just saying if this was the case here you know but they're both in the same area it would have to be a tiny sharpie no but the point is that it was a urological operation they didn't need to go to the vegetables everything was there on the meat he just needed to sign the meat if he'd have put his name on his meat maybe he had a little meat the vegetables whereabouts is he from uh liverpool oh yeah he would only have small meat you're absolutely right That's why you never saw John Lennon naked. <laughs> we have apologized unreservedly to the patient, and we are offering him our full support. <laughs> <laughs> They're holding it for him. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, rather distressing. I have a story here on a similar theme, actually. It says, giant 17-million-year-old sperm found preserved. A giant sperm? A preserve over here is like jam, isn't it? Like pearl jam? I don't, yes. I'm just saying. Sperm longer than the body of the crustacean that produced it have been discovered at the Riversley World Heritage Fossil Site in northwestern Queensland. Astonishing as this may be to non zoologists, the most unexpected aspect of the find is that it was preserved the seed that is 17 million years old. I wonder when the last time Greg looked under his bed was. Professor Mike Archer of the University of New South Wales helped bring Riversley to the world's attention with a series of discoveries in the 1980s that rewrote ideas about marsupials. But now he has found something very different. These are the oldest fossilised sperms ever found in the geological world, Archer says. We've become used to delightfully unexpected surprises in what turns up here. Anyone else have any stories that involve any delightfully unexpected surprises involving sperm? <laughs> Just me then. Okay. But the discovery of fossil sperm complete with sperm nuclei was totally unexpected. It now makes us wonder what other types of extraordinary preservation awaits discoveries in these deposits. Now, I'm no paleontologist, okay, but I was under the impression that to make a fossil, something had to die on a... on a piece of land and then water needs to cover it over so either a river floods its banks or there's a tsunami so you've got the rotting carcass of the animal lying on the mud or the ground water covers it it then becomes mud then sediment then makes a fossil so what leads me now to think i don't understand how sperm can be fossilized based on that's the process of how fossils are made 
I mean, are you in the middle of a field practicing onanism, you know, practicing the physical arts, expressing yourself fully in an apoplectic manner, and then you get hit by a tsunami? I don't understand how, how that fossilizes itself. Shortly after that deposit is made, then there has to be some sort of action where there's a seabed and water taking place. Someone needs to have been practicing onanism near a riverbank, is what I'm suggesting. And then at the moment of uh, release, the river then needs to flood its banks and everything needs to be preserved. Am I, am I biking up the wrong tree or am I just, you know... Talk to me about fossilization. Anyone else got any? Yes, I'm getting a big thumbs up from everyone all around. So uh, everyone's knowledge of paleontology and sperm is intact. I shall give myself fabulous amounts of points. Heather, have you got another story for me in the round of Not Fear Mother? Cameron Diaz and Gwyneth Paltrow talk about pubes on national TV. Wow. Is that good? I thought pubic hair was a character from Beatrix Potter's. <laughs> I've got time. I can wait. <laughs> Hollywood actress Cameron Diaz spoke unabashedly about pubic hair, the '70s style bush on the Graham Norton show. My she, grandmother had so many facelifts. She's got I a was, beard. Thought, <laughs> wow, you're going to talk about your grandma's bush? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps that wasn't what I really wanted to do. No. <laughs> She was referring to a friend's penchant for keeping the 70s style bush down there and gave a vivid description of how the bush swayed like seaweed when the friend dipped herself in the bathtub. It's like a bear trap is that. <laughs> Gossip Mill is speculating that Cameron is talking about Gwyneth Paltrow, who said in an interview on Ellen TV that she likes it 70s style down there. She and Ellen were talking about the sheer dress at the premiere of the Iron Man 3 movie. As you know, she didn't wear underwear, which has apparently required an emergency razor situation because, as she explained, I work a 70s vibe, if you know what I mean. So basically, in order to get into the dress, she needed to groom the area. So basically, it looks like the Jackson 5 down there. So at any moment, we're expecting her to go onto the red carpet and we're in the distance hearing the sounds of Rockin' Robin and ABC coming Surely through Surely Brill the Cream could have helped. Well, I mean, you could plait it, I guess. <laughs> I don't, 70s vibe, it looks like a horse's eye winking at me. Yes, reggae. Uh, here is the verbatim of Cameron Diaz talking about the pubes on the Graham Norton show. Talking about a girlfriend who is married, who is obsessed with having a 70s bush, and she loves it when it waves around in the bathtub like seaweed. Apparently this friend is of Cameron's... Oh, <laughs> no... <laughs> Apparently, this friend of Cameron's refuses to trim it. So one day, all of her friends grabbed her from the tub and took a pair of scissors and a comb and took care of it for her. I'm sorry. I consider all these people <laughs> around this table my friends. If any of you burst into my bathroom, drag me out of the bath and shave my pubes. I can't figure out why you'd be in the bathtub when your house is full of all your girlfriends. Yeah. That, yeah, I, I tend to don't let them. I don't let them in the what house. What was that? <laughs> don't let them in the house i find that odd i mean Very i know odd. you know kim i mean next time you're having a bath and we're around you know i'm you know we can we can look at that for you it's, <laughs> we can do your mohawk or anything you want i guess i just we'll bring the clippers we'll be fine i find that strange that a group of friends would want to do that i just find that 
there and all the way Ringo. through your story, all I can hear is Ringo Starr singing Octopus's Garden. It's just constantly. <laughs> I'll be going to bed tonight thinking of that. You've ruined well, my tonight's sleep in actuality. Apparently it's coming back. Oh, well, It's the new in. It's the new in, is it? To look like one of the Jackson 5. That's right. I understand, wow. and I'm happy to be corrected, that pubic lice in Australia have been completely eradicated because there is no longer anywhere for them to live. So uh, we will be seeing it. How do you know this? I, I read it. <laughs> a friend told me. On Facebook. <laughs> I read it on Facebook. It must be true. I've done more research than you could ever possibly imagine. I'm going to move on. We have a story here that says digital sign vandalized with offensive remarks in New South Jersey town. Residents in South Jersey town are upset after an electronic roadside sign was altered Sunday evening to display an offensive message. The sign was supposed to alert drivers on Route 49 in Upper Township about a change in traffic patterns. Instead, instead it said Arsville next left. Isn't that a song by the monkeys? <laughs> Take the last train to Arsville. Want a trip to Arsville, Greg? Nope. Just asking. Okay. Um, it says Upper Township Mayor Richard Palombo tells the news station that it appears to be an isolated incident and that the control box needs to be more secure. Officials have not indicated whether the box was broken into or left unsecured, the report said. South State Incorporated, the company in charge of the sign, declined to comment. I bet there's lots of jokes there, especially the butt of all jokes, I'm guessing. How many of our listeners currently at the moment genuinely believe they're living in Arsville? I bet that's quite a large number. Police in Titsville, Coxville, Balls Lake and Fannyborough have yet to comment. There is a town in Minnesota called Painesville. And there's been many an occasion when I've been driving through and I say, get the axe, boy, we're going to go to Painesville. But uh, obviously, Arsville is a completely different kettle of fish. Kim, you have a story left for me in the round of Not For Your Mother. Florida high school graduation ruined by giant giant. Ruined by Janet. (laughs) Ruined by giant penis etched into the field. Yes. These seniors apparently had a most unique field of dreams thanks to a senior student prankster. As Nature Coast Technical High School officials were setting up the stage on a campus field, they noticed something was schlong. (laughs) I see what you've done there. (laughs) A giant penis had been etched in the field with the aid of weed killer. We're giving everybody ideas now. We are. School officials reportedly identified the prankster and gave him the shaft on graduation day. <laughs> Son, this is no way to get ahead in life. Oh, Excellent. I see what you've done there. Yep. <laughs> Fabulous. Keep going. You should have points. A Florida senior was barred from his high school's commencement after he sent administrators scurrying to cover up the gigantic wang he had etched into the graduation ceremony field. How do you cover that up? What do you need? Half a dozen cars and some tarp. Spanning nearly the width of the field was a prankster's rendition of the male anatomy, big, obscene, and without a doubt inappropriate for the graduation ceremony. Why is that inappropriate? They should have seen it coming. (laughs) (laughs) No. Principal Tony Ann Noyes quickly discovered that the act had been perpetrated by a Nature Coast senior who sprayed some type of weed killer on the field about two weeks ago. The school used green paint to try and cover up the dick. And they also painted a giant 2014 across the field to obscure it in time for the ceremony. They are very creative students these days, aren't they? I often sit back and watch uh, World's Dumbest, where you see streakers running across graduations and all kinds of strange and bizarre things. But that's very impressive. There was a school in Britain that had uh, a particular student paint 
an object on the school roof and it was only seen when a helicopter went over and then reported it to the school and it had actually been there for some considerable time. But the interesting thing is, as an art historian, the twig and berries is always depicted in a very strange way. If you go to a, a lavatory wall or you see it graffitied somewhere, there's a very specific shape, isn't it, to a twig and berries? It's very odd. You can't do the same with female anatomy, can you? It's almost like a cartoon stereotypical. I mean, you can see it now, can't you? Just imagine that. Just picture that. Just see that. You know, that shape. <laughs> I know I'm drawing with my finger in the air at the moment and everyone can see it, but I'm just saying from an artist's point of view, you know, there's no variation of thickness of line. There's no tonal awareness. There's no sense. You know, it's just a, you know, just one shape. It's universal symbol, isn't it? Like McDonald's. So it's a very interesting concept. I never got one of those in my Happy Meal. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you should have ordered a Big Mac. <laughs> that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Well, all good things come to an end. So let's look at the scores. In last place with the K2 meter with the dead battery, it is Greg on four points. I am on eight points. Kim is also on eight points, but Heather... I won again! With nine points is the resplendent first place leader with $33,000 IR camera as your present. I'm also I'm getting through a lot of those IR cameras, so I need to order a few more. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I'd love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jeton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore and all at the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.